Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today I have a group of questions I'm actually putting together into the same um, topic. It's actually all one topic related to one topic. So when I can do this, when I get questions that are all very closely related, that they really kind of boil down to the same thing, I like to put them together because then I can address all the questions at once and it helps me to get through the questions so that um, I'm not getting so far behind on answering questions. So I have a group of questions that came in. I'm not going to read each of the questions because they're all basically boiling down to the same thing. And that is about our family patterns and parenting our kids and how do we address family patterns, heal those patterns, and then parent our, to be able to parent our children differently so that we're not falling right back into those patterns. Now we all make some progress forward, of course, but these parents want to know like, how can I really heal this so that I can move on and be a different parent? So I'm going to talk about that in the second half of the episode. In the first half, I'm going to talk about something that came up on another feed. Um, So I'm going to talk about that in a minute, what that is, but it was a question. um, It was a comment actually on an Instagram. I'll talk about where that came from, what that question is, but it got a lot of parents talking about it. And so um, I thought, you know, this is a really good topic. It's a really interesting topic because a lot of parents, I think, um, may have missed the point from the original poster. Um, So I'm going to get into that in in a minute and my take on her post as well as the responses from other parents. Uh, But I wanted to talk a little bit for a few minutes about change and changes because as you all know, we just went through a, especially for our kids, what would be considered a pretty big change. Um, In this past month, we moved uh, to we moved two hours away. So it's not a huge cultural change. Like we're still in Southern California. So the culture, the weather, everything is still very similar, but they left everything they knew. The house that we had lived in since they all could pretty much remember. I think our oldest might remember the house before, but um, this was the life they knew, the friends they knew, the schools they knew. Um, and now they had changed schools a while, a while ago as well. But you know, that was a big change for them and changes for all of us. Any of us are exciting. There also can be anxiety provoking. There can be some fear around that. And so I just wanted to share how everyone's doing. And I don't remember if I talked about this in the episode, but um, this is probably a good thing to share also is when we were getting really close to moving and um, my ex had pulled everything down from the hallway, from the kid's bedroom. He had packed everything off the walls. And so the house was looking pretty bare. And my youngest son got very emotional about it. And it, it was very real to him in that moment that we're really moving. It wasn't just a concept, an idea. It, was, it became real for him. And he was very sad about leaving his house, very sad about leaving his friends and everything that he had known. And I had explained to him that 
everything was going to be great with the move, that I know that it's hard for him to see as a child and not be able to see the bigger picture, that I hope that he could trust me, trust my words, trust that I know what I'm talking about, but that he just can't see right now what that's going to look like when we move, what his new friends or his new school is going to be like. And so I just, I held him, I listened to his concerns and I reassured him as best I could that things would really be amazing when we moved. And we talked about all the good things that would happen. And I am very happy to report that now he has told me that he is so happy to be living here. We've only been here a month but he is so happy. He is really big into skateboarding and he's gotten much more into it there. This is a Mecca for skateboarding. So this has been great for him. He wants to go to the skate park all the time. He wants to enter a skateboarding competition. He dropped into an eight foot pit the other day and, um, it's just been incredible for him. He's made friends with the, there's a boy who lives up behind us, the house behind us, and he wants to play with him every day. He's also made other friends at the skate park. So everything that I has told that I had talked to him about and shared with him, he is absolutely um, thrilled and things are really working out well for him. Also, um, I posted on Instagram our latest adventure and we have, you know, this is something I pictured in my mind before we moved was all of the things we were going to get to do, that there were so many opportunities to go see and do things that we just didn't have where we used to live. There just really wasn't a lot to do. And if you wanted to do something, you know, we had to drive 45 minutes to an hour or more just to go do something. And then, you know, every time in a different direction to go try to find some stuff to do, we just did not live in an area that that had a lot of opportunity for that. So I posted our latest adventure that was over going over to the beach. We took the train, the sprinter train. So it was a quick little train ride, which is just, I don't know, it's just fun. The train is just fun. We took that over to the beach. We did the boardwalk. It's a really long boardwalk in Oceanside over here. And we strolled the boardwalk. We had this amazing lunch um, outside with these amazing tacos and nachos. We rented a Surrey bike, which the kids love. We've done it once before in Lake Tahoe. We got on the Surrey bike. Like we're just having amazing family adventures. Like we are really doing what we said we were going to do. And I'm really enjoying it. The kids had an amazing day at the boardwalk and at the pier. And then we took the train home. So that has been amazing. I also have another adventure I haven't even posted yet. And we did this two weeks ago where we went down to La Jolla. We went down to the beach at the cove and there was a sea lion not more than a few feet in front of us. And the kids were just so amazed and so excited about this. They um, started getting excited for me to videotape it, like, get it on video. And I did, I was already videotaping it. And this, this, they wanted to go up and pet him. And I was like, oh no, I know they can be aggressive. So I'm like, just stay away. Um, but I will post that on the on the uh, Instagram account also. That's ironmom2020 if you wanna follow me there. Um, but this guy like got up on his flippers and he stood up and very proudly put his chest out and then he decided to kind of waddle into the water and they're so cute when they do that he waddled into the water and slid in there and then of course they swim so gracefully but the kids just thought that was incredible like what an experience to have so that was really amazing I'll be posting that soon okay so let's get to these questions so 
I've, like I said, I've gotten a few questions on different topics. And so the topic that I've been getting, and I have talked about this over the last couple of weeks, which is the questions that boil down to how do we set rules and set expectations with our kids without infringing on their individual strengths. So when you like, when you have a child who's like very persistent, like we don't want to kill their persistence, but at the same time, like we as parents, we know what really is best for them. And so I've talked a lot about setting those rules and boundaries in ways that are just what's non-negotiable and then what you can have be more negotiable or be open to. Um, some more communication, negotiation on certain topics and how to approach that. Um, So this is one of the ones that really kind of ties into this. And I saw this post this week from another, she's an amazing parenting expert. I follow her. I do greatly admire her. I greatly admire her work, the way she works with parents. And she posted something about quizzing toddlers or quizzing children in general. Um, It was about quizzing toddlers, but it really can spill over to quizzing in general. So it was about how we as adults sometimes, uh, how we as adults would be really annoyed by someone who, if they just started quizzing us about things, like in all kinds of random questions. So it was, the post was like, why do we do this to our kids? Why, even as a game, why do we feel like this is fun or maybe that it's fun for them um, and that it sets up a poor precedent? Uh, and the, the, um, in the post, it had particular questions like, where's your nose? What does the monkey say? You know, it, and it was just like this sort of barrage of, you could tell it was meant to be like sort of a barrage of questions to quiz the toddler. Um, so there was a lot of feedback on the post. Parents responding about how their toddler loves it when they quiz them. And... Um, I felt like this was really thought-provoking. This brought up a lot for people. It, it, um, it really kind of stirred some things inside of parents. And so I was like, you know what? I, would, I feel like this is something I need to um, bring up and speak to based on my experience as a child development expert um, and de- ch- developmental psychology, as well as a parent myself, a well, as well as um, an experience I actually had with something very similar to this um, many years ago before I had kids of my own. Um, and then I also went back and I read, so she she had the post and then she also had a blog post where she went into more detail and I did go in and read her blog post as well to get more detail about what she was really, um, saying behind the message. And, um, it's Janet Lansbury for anybody who does follow her or doesn't follow her. Um, I think she's got just great, insight and she's great about connection to really building that parent-child connection and um, she gets very deep into that. Um, So I'm going to first talk about my own experience. So she blogged about an experience that she had. So I'm going to talk about my experience because as soon as I read this post, I actually thought about my own experience that I had seen with a mother and daughter many years ago. Um, And so I'm going to talk about that because that was my initial thought and reaction was I totally agreed with her post. Okay, so the immediate question right here with all of this is, is this disrespectful? Like, this is what it really boils down to. Is this being disrespectful to the toddler? Does it undermine their individuality and their independence? So my gut reaction was, like I said, was that I agreed with the post. Not just because she's very thoughtful and very educated about development and about that connection and really making that connection very strong. So, you know, does this harm that connection in any way? Could it potentially? and so, and again, it took me back to that experience that I had seen many years back. And that was um, with my now ex and I, we were having our engagement party and a friend of his came with her daughter, um, who then was very young, but very smart young lady, very accomplished. I want to say she was seven, maybe 
six, seven, eight years old at the time. Um, Mom proceeded to quiz daughter almost incessantly, along with having her daughter in succession do certain tasks of, um, for lack of a better word, I almost want to call it party tricks. And I don't even remember what they all were. I think there was some gymnastics, some dance moves in there. I distinctly remember her having her daughter do particular yoga poses. Now, this was a very nice woman. She was a very proud single mom. Um, she had a very wonderful daughter. They obviously, she was very proud of her daughter. They did have a very nice connection. Um, but I also remember feeling bad for the daughter. I felt like mom was treating her more like a trained pet. It's like, do this do that, do this, answer this question, answer that question. Um, and the daughter seemed to enjoy it just fine, but I wondered if it was because that's how she got mom's approval or if that's how she got her self-esteem was from mom's approval and the approval of others around her from being able to answer these questions and do these particular things. So it was like it was a precedent that was set up in this relationship. And in many instances, you know, kids do want to make us proud. Depending on their personality, some can be very fiercely independent and they just don't care. And that's great. That's my youngest son. He does. He could not care less if people are happy or proud or approval, uh, approving of him. Um, when he's proud of himself, he's proud of himself, but otherwise he just marches to his own drum. But not a lot of kids are like that. So, you know, a lot of them will do what we ask, how we ask, when we ask, because they really want our approval. And they do, it sets up this this um, feedback loop of, you know, do for the prize, get the feedback, it feels good, so I'm going to keep doing for that positive feedback, which also, as we know from a lot that I've talked about, um, is not the way to build this, to build self-esteem, it's then an external self-esteem coming from externally rather than an internal sense of self-esteem and self-worth. So this is just where um, I felt like, wow, that really hit me, and that in some cases that it can be more detrimental than it can be helpful um, when we have our kids perform for us or answer questions in, in succession or that type of thing. Um, whether that performance is in academics or sports or doing things for friends and family so they can see how amazing our kids are. You know, once they learn what gets them noticed and gets attention, they will fall into that pattern with us. So then I went in and I read Janet's blog and her observation was of something very similar, um, not in that particular context, but it was a mom quizzing a young girl about her spelling, trying to get her to help her understand the word art it was not an R word. Her daughter called it an R word. And so she said, can you spell the word art? And she spelled it fine, A-R-T, no problem. Even though the girl spelled it correctly, um, mom was still disgruntled that the daughter's creative mind still saw art as an R word. Mom wanted the correct answer. Um, it was black and white in her world. She did not want the creative answer. And Janet's point was that when we get too caught up in these black and white, the performance of the right and the wrong answers, we can stifle our children's creativity, their individuality, their independence, um, you know, their own budding personalities that we want to see shine through. So I do absolutely agree. I, th I think we are working against generations of acculturation that the 50s earlier models of parenting of raising children was you stay in the lines, you color in the lines, authoritarian constructs, do as I say, you know, answer this properly, um, especially when it comes to academic subjects. And I don't want to get too far down on a tangent with this. I'm just going to run through this quickly. This is not my area of expertise by any means. I have done some research in this area, but just um, so parents are aware that 
school, the way it's constructed today um, was set up in the 50s, and they are turning this around, thank goodness. But we have a, it's a big ship to turn. But schools were set up so that children would be able to grow into adults who would basically follow the rules and follow um, what it is that they're supposed to do, almost an assembly line type job of, you know, even if they got a job in at a corporation where they work their way up through middle management. But, you know, in a corporate culture, you there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of strict guidelines that you really have to stay within the lines. And so children were really raised to go out and get a job and stay in that job for their lives and follow all the rules and follow the social constructs. And so, you know, the world isn't like that anymore. We're really now looking for people who are problem solvers, who are creative problem solvers. And so now we're raising or trying to raise creative problem solvers. And the school system still has not been able to turn that ship around. It's big and it's heavy, and it's really hard to turn a really large ship very quickly. So, and if you're curious about this subject, I really recommend um, Ken Robinson, um, Sir Ken Robinson. Um, he has some TED Talks. I don't know if he has some books. I'm guessing he has a couple books. And he talks about this, about how um, the education system squashes creativity. So if you're curious about this subject, definitely check him out. But, um, you know, so here we are. We're trying to raise kids who are going to be problem solvers. So we're going to go out in the world and maybe even be entrepreneurs, maybe be um, inventors and help us solve these problems, these world problems, and make the world just a better place for everyone. You know, so my goal for my kids is to, and I think from a lot of the parents I'm seeing who are sending questions in about, you know, how do I raise my kids so that I'm not breaking their spirit, so that I'm not, you know, um, you know, kind of cutting them off, like clipping their wings. I don't want to clip their wings. I want them to fly, but I also don't want them pooping all through the house, I guess, for, for lack of a, a better analogy on that. Um, and so parents are really wanting to know, how do we do this? And so I felt like this topic really kind of falls right in line with that. We just have this particular brain mindset about, you know, kids who, you know, know their facts and can answer for us and can, you know, do what they're told, like that that's still kind of the old mindset and we're switching over. And I saw a lot of parents really struggling with this in, in the responses to her post. So I want to talk about this um, deeper about, you know, is this going to be hugely detrimental to their independence? No, probably not. Is this going to um, mess up your relationship with them? Likely not. Um, could it cause a little um, friction uh, if, if you have too much of this mindset of, you know, um, let me... Um, if there's too much of this mindset of like perform for me and answer these questions when I, and, and they seem to enjoy it. But it, again, it's like that. It's if we go in with just too much of this mindset of, you know, perform for me. And it's, especially if you have a child who is a people pleaser, if you've got a child who's a people pleaser and they want to be pleasing, then this um, is really something to watch out for with that because it is going to play into that. And we may not even realize that that's what's happening. So I want to get into this deeper about um, the potential negatives of too much of this type of quizzing, things that we could do instead to build their creative thinking, their creative problem solving. So ways that we can engage them that doesn't involve sort of ask, making them perform or answer certain questions for us when times might be that it is good to quiz and to um, 
engage in that type of activity. And then I'm going to get into the healing of family patterns because I have gotten these questions as well about healing family patterns. How do I heal my family patterns so that I can break out of some of this and not react in ways that my parents reacted and, um, and parent from a different place than I was parented from. So I'm going to get into that right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets, to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to finish up talking about the quizzing, quizzing toddlers, quizzing children, and then talk about breaking unhealthy family patterns. And for um, anyone out there also who has some more than just patterns, you may have some trauma if you've dealt with that in your life as well. So as I've already shared, um, this type of game of quizzing is not the best way to connect with children. If they come up to you and say, can you ask me some questions about X or from X or ask me some questions and they really want and they're really engaging in this, great. Um, You know, we used to have a game, I think it was called Brain Quest, and it went through all the different grade levels 
um, kindergarten through sixth grade, and then it had um, different topics, math and science and art and literature. Um, There's a couple other topics in there. And my kids love to play that game. And we would, um, and they love to even, you know, answer their grade level and then answer a couple of grade levels ahead. So if they do, if they answered their grade level properly or correctly, then they would say, can you ask me the next grade level question? Some of those types of things are great. Um, so doing it in that way is absolutely fine. Um, and then, of course, if you have older kids, you know, if they want you to quiz them for a test that they have coming up on a chapter they just read, if they have a study guide or something, and this is, again, for older kids, obviously, you're just helping them prepare for a test. You're teaching them how to academically prepare and set goals and make sure that they have the information down and you're just there to help them through that process. Of course, give them the quiz, ask them the questions from the study guide, make sure that they know the chapter and the material so that they can go in and do well on their quiz or their test the next day. Or even over a certain period of time if they're trying to get it, you know, throughout a week or whatever for the test that's coming up. When it comes to engaging with kids in a way, especially toddlers, we're going to talk about toddlers because I know a lot of you out there are parents of toddlers and then you can, you know, you'll um, change this out as they get a little older. But um, engaging with them, you want to ask open-ended questions. Things like, tell me about your tower. Tell me about what you just built. And then you can build on that. So whatever they tell you about it, if they tell you their pet lion lives in the tower, you can ask about the pet lion. You want to play along with them with their creative answers. Tell me about your pet lion. What's inside the tower that you you have for your pet lion? What's your pet lion's name? Um, So in the case of the mom with art, like I can totally see why art is an R word because it starts with a sound R. Do you think it's a pirate word also? Like the sound that pirates make? Arr. Do you think pirates like to make art? And let them lead the conversation. You can ask the question if they're just like, no, p- pirates don't like to make art. Okay, I thought maybe they would, but maybe you're right. You want to just let them lead the conversation. Let them share their creative thoughts. Build on to it. If they're like, yeah, I think pirates love to do art. What kind of art do you think pirates like to do? You want to see where their imagination can take them. Now, again, is asking your toddler some questions and quizzing them going to do great harm in most instances? Well, I would do great harm. Is it going to do harm in most instances? Absolutely not. If you're cognizant of the potential of the pleasing, the people pleasing, um, that type of thing, you want to be really aware of that. You want to refrain from it. Um, But I just do recommend doing more open-ended types of questions and engaging in conversations in that way and helping them to um, engage their creativity because there'll be lots of opportunities as they go through the educational process to do lots of rote memorization, to get quizzed and have to give the answers. Um, They're going to have a lot of that in their life. So doing more of the creative types of engaging processes um, is definitely going to be more beneficial to their development. Um, Children have a natural curiosity for things and they will each gravitate towards their own interests. So another thing you can do is just really working with them on their interests, exposing them to something that they seem interested in, see what grabs them and the more they want to engage in it, find ways to engage in it. You can read books about subjects. You can go on different outings related to the subjects. Uh, I had one of my son, my oldest, was really into space. 
Um, and he was so into space that we did a lot of books about space. We went to outings about space. We went to the Air and Space Museum. We went to go see the um, space shuttle, um, which we were able to do. Very lucky living in Los, at the time in Los Angeles. I took, them, I took him down to the park where he could see that, learn about the space shuttle. He um, was really interested in nebulae and so it was just the funniest thing this kid was four years old and I swear the kid could name like 20 different nebulae he could look at one and tell you what it was called it was it was really quite amazing so I took him to all the museums and places that he could get more um, information and knowledge and gain knowledge about that and the planetarium he loved the planetarium we went to that as well my other son was really into marine biology at a very young age. So we had tons of books about marine biology. Um, we went on outings for marine biology. We got a pass to this little, it's a small aquarium in Santa Barbara on the pier. And we went out there every few months. He, I could have dropped that kid off there and left him all day. And obviously I wasn't going to do that. He was little, but, um, you know, he loved that place. He could have spent the whole day in there. You could touch the sea anemones and the starfish and the stingrays. I don't know. They must not have had their stingers on them. Um, so yeah, we had tons of books about sea life, all different kinds of sea life, sharks, and all kinds of amazing um, encyclopedias and things for ocean life. And his favorite animal was the peacock mantis shrimp. And if you asked him about the peacock mantis shrimp, he could tell you all kinds of amazing things about this animal. It was very, very awesome. So if your child has a very specific interest, help them engage in that and learn more and more about it. Ask them about their favorite animal that they learned about today or their favorite thing about whatever it is. Like I said, like with my other son, it was about nebulae and what made them different, what made them unique. Okay. So I've also gotten many emails over the years and lately also several questions that takes us back to, um, Parents wanting to break familial patterns. So some with abusive and toxic upbringings, not very many of those, thank goodness. Um, but just a lot of them with just certain interactional patterns, relational patterns that left them feeling less than positive about themselves in that interaction or less than feeling comfortable um, sharing openly with their parents about their struggles or concerns as children. They feel like they got shut down. And so they want to know, how can I make sure that I'm not doing this? Because certainly their parents weren't doing this on purpose. In most cases, parents were not doing this on purpose. It was something that they struggled with, something they were uncomfortable with, or whatever it was that they had this pattern, that, um, but it did make them feel as a child to be shut down and that they then didn't want to share and it shut down the ability for them to feel comfortable sharing other things with their parents going forward. So I get asked, how can they work on breaking these patterns? Sometimes it's just um, a lot of questions I get about you know, how can I break this pattern of, you know, how frustrated my parents would get or one of my parents would get, um, go right to frustration or get angry and, you know, yell at me or lecture me or, or I don't want to do that, but I don't know what to do. So I'm going to talk about that. How do we break these patterns? How do we find new ways of communicating, connecting, dealing with these very common human struggles that we have um, with just in, with anything, whether it's, you know, in it, with anything in our lives. But they really, especially w with their kids, it becomes extremely important because they know 
how, like we all know, like how important this relationship is. There almost is no more important relationship. Actually, I would say there is no more important relationship than parent-child. And so they want to make sure that they are giving their children their very best. So I'm going to talk about this topic also right after a word from our sponsors. Okay, now that we're back, after the break, I want to dive into this topic of healing negative family patterns. Now, as I've shared, I had a very toxic upbringing. I haven't shared a lot about it, I don't think, other than to say that it was abusive. I am going to get personal about this for a few minutes. Um, I've talked about the fact that I've had emotional and physical abuse in my past, And it's actually the reason why I do what I do. Not because most parents are anything like my mom was. That's not the case at all. Luckily, most people don't have that kind of upbringing. But it's healing for me to know that even so, I am helping parents who really want to connect with their best possible selves with their kids. They want to learn about development. They want to know better ways of communicating. They want to know how to practice and take opportunities to learn and create something new and healthier with their children because of either things that they've been through themselves or just because they know that there are some really good ways of doing this and they're not quite sure what those are. So um you know I just want to take this back a few steps Um, just so that you all understand where I'm coming from and some of the things that I have discovered even lately about this. You know, I've been through years, literally years of therapy to heal from my upbringing to the point where I would go in and see a therapist and I'm like, I'm good with childhood. I did this with my last therapist, the one I still have actually. I'm like, I'm good with childhood. I, when I started seeing him about three years ago, I just told him, right off the bat. I'm like, listen, I had an abusive upbringing. I've done a ton of work on it. I think I'm good. I'm here to talk about my marriage and figure out how to move forward with that. But I wanted you to know this piece of it because it is part of my story. It does deeply color my life experience and who I am. And if it happens to be triggered by something that happens in my daily life, and then I come in and want to talk about it. I just think you should know that it is a part of my past. And I just laid that all on the table with him. Off we went talking for two and a half years about, you know, my relationship with my now ex, you know, what I wanted to do about it, why it wasn't working for me anymore. Um, you know, if we could try to figure it out and heal it, if we were not heal it, there was really nothing wrong with it. it it's a great relationship. It always was and is. It just wasn't fulfilling. Anyway, I don't want to go into all that. But um, but we were working through all that. Two and a half years, we worked through all that. Then we were working on some other things with me moving forward and moving forward in my life with, you know, becoming two single households at some point when that happens and taking steps towards that. And boom, something happened with my mom again. And she just stepped over the line one too many times in a row to me um, in a text in a relationship that had very little foundation since I can very first remember. It started out on a very rocky foundation, if I can even call it that. And it pretty much stayed that way. And it was just, it was, it was very difficult. And when she did this to me again, as an adult, and I just, I had been maintaining a relationship with her for my children so that she could have a relationship with them. They're now old enough to have a relationship with her without me stepping in. I can say, hey, why don't you, 
why don't you FaceTime with your Grammy? And, you know, I don't really need to be in the middle. I just, when I got these communications from her, I was just like, I went into him and I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, there was just nothing positive left in that relationship for me to remain in it. So I went in and I, I, we talked to him about the exchange. We, I talked to him about the exchange. I told him about my upbringing and it was the first time he had heard about it. I just laid it all on the table. The general message that I got growing up of feeling like a burden to my mom, of feeling like every incident I could remember beginning at the age of two, um, of the every account of abuse that I could remember, the general feeling of feeling unloved, of feeling unappreciated, of feeling like I was just in the way, of feeling like a punching bag when she would get upset or angry. It would come out on me. It was like I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't trying hard enough. And um, and that really affected me growing up. And, and so when I shared all of this with him and all of the incidences with him, I could finally see it from an outsider's perspective. Because growing up, I felt like it wasn't that bad. And as I relayed incident after incident after incident to him, and I could see his face, and I realized it was that bad. And I could, as I'm relaying this to him, as I'm seeing it from an outside perspective, as I'm seeing his face, I could finally hear like the story and realize that I was more than justified in finally ending this relationship, a relationship I'd wanted to end since my days in college when I'd finally moved out of the house. And so it was time. Okay, so that is really, you know, that piece of the background. So when I had children of my own, I obviously knew I did not want to be that kind of parent. Um, I knew there had to be a better way to raise good human beings than to make them feel afraid of me, to make them feel like they had to do what I said because if they didn't, I was going to get so angry with them that they were scared of what I would do to them. I wanted to be the mom that I never had. Now, most of you I know haven't been through this. I hope most of you haven't been through this. I hope you've had much better parenting role models than that. But even so, no parent is perfect. Every parent's going to have some struggles in certain areas. There are going to be familial patterns that left you feeling less than happy, less than perfect, less than empowered as a child. And so these are the things that we want to heal. And so once you can heal them and work through the unhealthy patterns, and then you can find some ways, well, you can even find ways to do this while you're working through that process as well. If you are having some of that and it's, it's deep-seated, I definitely recommend therapy, obviously, for working through some of that stuff, talking to someone about it, justifying feelings, all that kind of stuff that therapists are there to do for you and to help you work on how to, you know, how to heal that and move through that. But here's what I can offer on that. Um, first, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're implementing the mindset and the tools. You are setting yourself up and your family up for success. Um, for, if you're listening, well, obviously you're listening to this from me. <laughs> if you're hearing this right now, for other, you know, for other people who do podcasts, other parenting experts, relational experts, reading books. When if you're doing these things, you are obviously working to improve upon what you had as a child to do things in a different way to raise your children in a way that you feel is in line with your values of positive discipline and creating great relationships and helping them to be their best selves and this doesn't mean doing things perfectly all the time either it doesn't mean being perfectly calm all the time either so it also means giving yourself a break learning 
that you can share your frustration with, but you, um, that you can share frustration, you can share anger. Kids need to know when they've pushed us too far, but sharing it with I messages, you know, I feel X because, you know, this has happened. Allowing yourself to feel, and just to jump on a little tangent there, the class communication tools, I do cover iMessages in depth, what the steps are and how to do that if you're not sure how to use iMessages. Also in the discipline tools classes, toddlers, preschoolers, elementary age kids, and tweens and teens, I cover that's in there, iMessages. How to use iMessages to share frustrations with your kids or with anyone, really. Um, so you can see that on the cl- on the website if you aren't sure how to use those. Um, you want to allow yourself to feel and to be frustrated and to be angry. Um, It's okay to have those. Those are normal human emotions. We're going to show them when we have them. We're going to keep them, if we can, at a moderate level, Um, you know, not getting too loud, but like I said, sharing with the iMessages. But if we happen to step over the line, and we all do on occasion, then we apologize. The apology and having a sincere apology really helps to heal any of the negative effects of that. Um, Studies have shown that a person who comes in and apologizes after a heated exchange actually creates a healing environment. It also shows your kids that we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I am going to step over the line on occasion. I'm going to work not to do that the next time. I'm going to know what my triggers are. I'm going to try to do better the next time. So it teaches them how to make a sincere apology of how to share your feelings. Um, I'm sorry I got upset. I didn't mean to scare you. I would. I will work next time to keep myself calmer to show you that it's important to stay calm when you get too upset. This was my fault that I got upset and I can do better than that. So you show them how to give a, a more sincere apology. Okay, so what you want to do is you want to figure out your family patterns. What are the patterns that were detrimental to you or that stand out to you about what you want to fix, what you want to change? What was happening when it happened? Whether it was a one-time thing, um, something you went to your parent with that you wanted to tell them and you tried to be honest and they just lost it with you, or was it an ongoing pattern? Was it like every night at bedtime, dad was screaming, yelling, get to bed, and they're, you know, and you had that something you were dealing with every night that you just felt um, unsafe or you felt like it made bedtime chaotic and then you were all worked up for bedtime and you had a hard time falling asleep because it just ended not very well. So if there's any, whatever that pattern is that, you know, mom got impatient and she was just yelling, get your clothes on, get your shoes on, get down here, whatever that is, whatever that pattern is that was in your family, um, that you want to recognize it. So first you're going to recognize it and then you are, going to work on, you know, depending on how deep that hurt is, uh, what the incidences were, what was said, what the exchanges were. Um, You want to heal that for yourself. Whatever feelings that you had, reminding yourself you were a child, reminding yourself you didn't have the skill set, and working through that. And again, if there's some deeper stuff in there, um, I recommend therapy to really work through some of that and really heal that. But secondly is, what was that exchange? And How do you want to prepare yourself for that? What do you want the exchange to look like between you and your child if or when that thing happens? Or are you already sinking into that pattern of, you know, tough times at bedtimes or, you know, always nagging to get them to get their stuff done or get ready or whatever it is? And so what do you want the exchange to look like? 
So think about that in your head. What do I want this to look like? How do I want this to go? How do I want to present? Like, do I want to present as a calm parent who is engaged and moving my child towards the process? And then you want to learn the tools that you will need in order to be able to handle that situation in a very different way. So, and I know that's why you listen to the podcast is to learn those tips and tools on handling these situations in a different way. And of course, I can't know what everybody's struggles are unless you send in a question, then I then I can know and answer those specific questions. But if you do have specific areas and you are really struggling with, you know, staying peaceful or getting kids to listen when you give a um, a request, then I, that's why I have the classes on the website so that parents can get exactly what they need, when they want it, how they want it, with their very particular issues and struggles. You can go and watch the peaceful parenting classes. You can go and watch getting kids to listen or power struggles or helping your angry child, helping them with those emotions that are bigger than life, the tantrums, that kind of thing. So if you have those particular struggles, bedtimes, another one, um, then you can go check those out on the website. That's yourvillageonline.com. Um, and then I also have the, with very particular incidences where members can come and ask questions during our parent chats that we do about, about every week and a half right now, week and a half to two weeks, we're doing them right now. And as they, we get more of them, we'll do them more often. But, um, so that's to get those questions answered, help parents with these patterns to get into some really good habits of deep connected working with their kids, working through these issues and struggles in ways where they can stay calm as much as possible, but even when they lose their cool, that they're doing it in a way that is, um, you know, in a way that is going to be very moderate, that isn't going to be like giving threats and yelling and screaming. It's just, I'm frustrated. I need you to get ready for bed right now, you know, and the ways that you can help uh, move them into the direction, sharing that anger in that, in that more appropriate way of, this is what I need. This is how I'm feeling. I need you to get on it now and how you can then move them towards that. And also understanding, you know, what it is that they are capable of at each particular age, understanding what is developmentally appropriate behavior, still working them towards better behavior, but not getting so frustrated because you're expecting your toddler to be able to go in and just get brush their teeth and get ready for bed on their own. Um, that's a little bit of an extreme example because I don't think most parents are expecting their toddler to just go brush their teeth, but I know most of us would like our toddlers to just get in bed and stay in bed, and they will when you work with them on it, when you teach them on it, but not expecting them to necessarily have that automatically. That certainly isn't something that's going to be automatic. It's a lot of teaching. This parenting job is a lot of molding and teaching and guiding, and um, and when it when they when things click, it's amazing to watch it. Um, but when we struggle through it sometimes and we feel like we're hitting a wall and we're not sure what we're doing or not doing um, that's causing this issue, then um, that's why the podcast is here. That's why the classes are here. That's why I'm here to answer questions on the um, parent chats that we have to help all of you get through that so that you can have the family life that you want, have the connection with your children that you want, and and then in cases for those of you who have some of those, um, not necessarily traumas, there are going to be traumas for some of you just like I had, but some of you just have some unpleasant memories from childhood that you want to try to avoid, I'm sure. Um, and so that is why I'm here to help you all get those tools and um, patterns in place that are very healthy and very connecting for you and your children. 
If you want to learn more about any of the positive discipline, all the stuff I just mentioned, power, struggles, tantrums, bedtimes, getting kids to listen, the positive discipline tools for each of the ages, raising responsible kids, like creating these really great relationships, peaceful parenting, part one and two, they're all on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm -hmm.